This is Simon Transparently Awakening the heart of humanity As we see beyond the lies And open our eyes to realize This is our time to rise We stand at the threshold Of a great dawning Something deep within life Is changing the very core of creation, something new is being born. Welcome everybody to another transparent conversation. Today I am with some of you may have seen who follow my stuff because I've been posting this beautiful man's, I would call him more transmissions for many years, called Darpan. So welcome Darpan today. Um, so play, yeah, it's super, super pleasure to have you uh, in conversation. I just said to Darpan as we began, I, um, it's a great pleasure to meet him because I've been listening to him for over five years in my ears, um, five years in my ears. And Darpan, I feel like, yeah, I could have contacted you many years ago because you've been inspiring me. And now it seems like an absolutely divine time as always to bring you into conversation and for anybody listening the transmissions that I'm talking about are metamorphosis which was from a I would call you you could call it an album but I would call it more of a, a again a transmission a message um which I don't know actually Darpa when did you actually put that together I found it five years ago but how, how long ago? well actually it's it's a while ago now it's uh, 2012 there's an album called Love Light right and uh, it was very much uh, uh, something that just came through at that time. And uh, I put it out and particularly with the, with the track Metamorphosis, I had a very deep sense of something impending coming. And interestingly enough, we find ourselves in the middle of that particular initiation today, right now. Exactly, right now. And then, um, and then if anybody's uh, not heard the new recent transmission, which I would call again with uh, a collaboration with Temple Step called um, Provocation was the initial one and it's called A New Vision. So today I, want to, today I want to dive in with Darpan and I want to just, first of all, Darpan, I just want to just allow you into the space, how you're feeling, what's alive in you in this moment, just, you know, just drop in and, and, and whatever wants to come through, okay. we go from there. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for inviting me on the show. I really deeply appreciate that. Very happy to be here with you all. Well, you know what? I mean, even though we live in these interesting times and uh, this event that happened across the globe, uh, unprecedented, certainly unexpected uh, in many ways, um, is affecting everybody all over the planet. But I must say that it has some very good upsides as well as downsides. Besides the fact that they've been sweeping new powers given to the police, that we're not allowed to gather in public places, that we're not allowed to be more than two people at once, that we need social distancing and so on and so forth, some of which I think is, is a good idea. I'm not against it all per se, but um, I think that the silver lining in all of this has been much more time with the family, uh, heading down to the beach. I've just come back from the beach and it's just a stunningly beautiful day here today. And... Um, just hanging out with my son, my beloved, my partner, and, and just uh, swimming, eating beautiful food, and uh, spending more time with each other, making music, 
uh, and connecting with friends. Uh, the other day, for example, I think about three or four days ago, we had a, a worldwide online streaming for a concert called Canta Comamor, which is initiated by a very dear friend of mine called Lino Vardan, who is the, the husband of Nessie Gomez, who some of you might know her music. She is an amazing singer. If you don't know her, check her out. Nessie Gomez. Anyway, Lino put together this idea that we uh, get together, all the musicians, all the musicians around the globe who are working with what we can loosely frame as medicine music. And uh, his idea was to get, you know, myself, Karaoke, Maureen G, a number of others uh, around the globe to do this online concert. And, and when he first approached me about two and a half weeks ago, we had just eight people on board. Uh, but what happened then was just amazing because all these other friends of ours, musicians from every continent around the globe, all wanted to jump in. And the concert, uh, which was held about three nights ago, uh, you can still see it on Facebook, the live event, um, went for 11.5 hours. That's how many musicians jumped in. Wow. And it was like each musician had about 15 to 20 minutes and it was seamlessly run by Lino and a, and a technical team. And there were no glitches. Just in the Zoom room alone, there were a 1,000 people, all friends I'd worked with all over the globe at different times over the last 25 years. And it was just a stunning feeling to feeling us all together there in the Zoom room. But then outside of that, uh, because it could only fit a 1,000 people in that room, on Facebook Live and streaming direct from the website, which was cantacomamore.com, um, there were another seven or 8,000 people online at that time together holding ceremony, holding space, and the feeling was palpable. It was so amazing. It was so incredible in the sense that you really could feel everybody in the room. It was as if you were there with them. Mm -hmm. And so we, we've inadvertently found a way to triumph over this uh, kind of like uh, lockdown idea, which has put a lot of people into uncertainty and fear and, and stress and alienation and separation from each other. Uh, and, you know, as I said, here in Byron Bay, it's pretty pretty mild, the lockdown. We go to the beach and do pretty much live how we normally do. But just be mindful of all of those people who live in cities, large cities in small, tiny apartments who cannot leave their homes. Right. And so then it's an entirely different story and an entirely different experience. But it was beautiful to see how the, tr the, uh, the human spirit in amidst this lockdown of ordinary human freedoms and human values can triumph and come together in ways that we hadn't imagined or in ways that are unprecedented in such a, an incredibly beautiful, heart-opening, incredible way. I mean, I was in tears for a lot of it. It was so magnificent. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, uh, just putting a positive spin on all of this, I think it's a time for people to sink deep inside themselves and to really question, what is it? Who am I? What, what's my purpose? How have I lived my life up until now? And maybe some people will come to the conclusion that, wow, well, I actually didn't really enjoy that job that I was doing. And I didn't really feel much resonance with the people I was working with. And yet I was doing this day after day after day just to pay the mortgage and pay the kids schooling and, you know, pay the food and put the food on the table. And so it's giving people time to pause and just really reflect more deeply than they might normally have time to do upon the deeper things in life and to question, you know, what is my purpose? Why are we here? What what actually is my gift to give to the world rather than just feeling like you're chasing the carrot and the stick just to stay alive. Right. Uh, so it's an interesting paradox 
that although we are being in many ways forced into the lower emanations of or the shadow emanations of the lower chakras, you know, like the ones I mentioned before, disempowerment and fear and so on, uh, the, at the same time and simultaneous to that, there is an opening uh, which is also unprecedented right. in the majority of people. So yeah. we can never judge whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. And, and go with it. Yeah, totally go with it. And I, I mean, you know, I got to, yeah, I got to dive, I got to dive in with, with that. It's like, it's one of the messages that you always said on, on many of the transmissions that you share is this idea of, of not judging, staying in the heart, you know, connecting to community, loved ones. And, and I guess there's this, there's this sense, uh, Darpan, I'd love you to talk on this of, you know, which you you mentioned in metamorphosis where, you know, you also predicted as of many seers and astrologers and many other uh, people, you know, for many, many years before, you know, hundreds of years, if not thousands of years around this age, if you want to call it, this, this, this moment of transition, this transformation where if we don't keep that frequency high and that, that resonance in a state of connection, love, and, and I mean, you call it the silver lining, but seeing that uh, the, the great potential and opportunity here, then there is a sense of that crisis, that turbulence, that um, density really also consuming us. And I think that that's one of the beautiful um, things that I take away or the resonance that I take away from your, your messages in both New Vision and Metamorphosis, that there is going to be turbulence and that the whole idea of uh, birthing a new era, a new prophecy, doesn't come without, you know, I love the, I always love the words, an, an ardent, or is it, is this, it's an arduous task, right? And I'd love, I just, if there's something sparks from that, um, what pops up for you when I, when I share that? Absolutely. So many things. Um, <clears throat> well, firstly, I feel that as a collective, as a human family, uh, we're on the very cusp of the great awakening. We've just started the Great Awakening. We've been kind of working towards it. Technology has been moving for, to, forwards at an incredibly rapid pace. And I see technology as an evolutionary driver. It's something that we create, but then it recreates us as well in its image, just as we create it in our image. And so there's this incredible symbiosis happening with the technology. And I'm all for the technology. I, the one thing I would put a, a caveat to that, though, is that the people, it's the people who own the technology on the planet. You know, like I'm really for AI because I think it can liberate human consciousness, but given the wrong, in the wrong hands, it can also oppress and suppress human consciousness. Right. So it's not, just let me establish right from the word go, that it's not technology that's at fault. It's the one that wields the technology. For example, a knife can cut bread and be useful, but it can also stab somebody and kill them. Now, obviously, it's not the knife's fault. It's the one who wields the knife. Mm. And so I think that what we're entering into today is we have a great polarization on the planet today of both the light and the dark. Both are there in equal, equal magnitude and force at this point in time. And as the next step in our transformation of consciousness on this, uh, amongst the human family means that we need to die to one aspect of ourselves right. and be reborn into another. So what I see that is happening is that we're entering into a great initiation, a great rite of passage, if you will. And, uh, and as we enter into this Chapel Perilous, and the reason I call it Chapel Perilous is because we don't know at this stage what is real, what is not real, what is true, what is not true. For example, in a, 
every day, I'm sure it's the same with you, brother, is that we're being inundated with information from Boom. people who are sending posts and sending information and, and it's coming from every angle and every possible standpoint and position. <laughs> exactly. So that one can say, one moment you think one something's real, and the next minute you go, but, but that's not real and right. maybe this is real. And, and so we're in this Chapel Perilous, which is an essential step in any initiation. It's just like back in the days of the Eleusinian Mystery Schools where they would give you a sacrament, give you a firebrand, head you down into the cave, into the, into the labyrinth below, and say, good luck, find your way out. And in that cave, you would face all of your worst fears, all of your darkness, and a part of you would die in that journey through the cave. Well, metaphorically speaking, we've just been handed the firebrand and we're going into this whole experience with the whole notion of uh, uh, of unpredictability, of not, not knowing what the next moment is going to bring. Will we ever go back to norm, what we call normality? Will Is this the new norm that we're being introduced to? All of these questions are really with us right here now, and there are no real uh, definite answers to those questions. And so we must trust. And this is what I think is the key word. It's a matter of, from my point of view, where I see it when you go into an initiation like this, it's an invitation to retract uh, authority from outside, from outside authorities, uniforms like police, doctors, magistrates, lawyers, all of those so-called authorities in our society that have always dictated to us about what the rules are and what, how to conduct oneself, now are becoming like thrown up in the air. We don't know where what is true and what is not true and who to trust and who not to trust. Right. And although that is a rather disconcerting space to be in, it's also a very fertile space because transformation of consciousness does not happen when things are really hunky-dory and, and expected and where the world is known. When things are uncertain, when you don't know really what is true and what is not true, when, when reality is being questioned, when politicians, priests, all of those so-called authority figures are being questioned, is a very fertile time for transformation of human consciousness so this is an invitation to take authority back and place it where it has always belonged into inner authority to bring the bone back to oneself right. and to and to take responsibility and to trust and to remember that we're as we go into this long dark night of the soul existence has done this before and we just have to trust existence we've been taken to the pinnacle of a certain level of of uh, physical embodiment with our technology and the way we live in cities and the high-tech uh, reality. And what is now being added, I think, is the cherry on the cake, the icing on the cake. And what we have to do in order for this to happen is just trust. Because if we're going to the mind for answers, that the mind will just get more and more confused mm. because there's so much information. It's really a time of just coming and to rest inside oneself. Right. To really, yeah, come back. And, uh, and, and, and just see, just be okay in this moment and see what the next moment will bring and to allow that process to happen. And it's been unprecedented that we've been given all the spare time, this free time to do exactly that. So any event has an upside and a downside. The downside seems to be, you know, the restriction of our freedoms, but the upside is this beautiful upwelling, if we allow it, of the natural human spirit which is what is actually happening on this planet. And that brings me back to an earlier part of your question, which is about the seers and the prophets who foretold about this time from, from millennia now. And we find ourselves awake, alive, and here and now in the very moment that those people spoke about. Look, I wouldn't be dead for quids. 
we have front row seats to the most un- incredible event that is unprecedented in our historical process that is absolutely with us right now and no one has a roadmap for it. We have to do this individually and then together, collectively, taking each step into the unknown because it is the unknown. And it's just as much of an unknown as, as in the metaphor and metamorphosis. How, does a, how can you tell a, a caterpillar about its destiny as a butterfly? How do you describe or even give any information to a caterpillar that of its ultimate destiny? It just would not compute to a caterpillar. Right. What happens to the caterpillar? It goes inside the chrysalis. It goes into a kind of a mush. And then it's reformed into this magnificent new creation, this magnificent creature which is privy to the air to the air and the breezes and perfumes and flowers. So, I mean, we must just trust. Mm. It's impossible. I believe that we're at the beginning on the cusp of a great dawning, a great awakening, even though it doesn't look like that right now. It looks very dark and it looks like how can we see even beyond the next few months? It looks impossible to do that. And in many ways, it has to be like that because every initiation worth its salt must have the very real possibility or likelihood of your extinction, of death, of annihilation. Otherwise, we would not believe it enough to to transform ourselves to something entirely different. And yes, what is left for us to do is to trust and to focus upon how we can die gracefully and be reborn magnificently mm, beautiful mm. yeah yeah i mean I, you know <laughs> <laughs> no small order but an incredible task <laughs> Woo. I, I, I we just, are magicians <laughs> yeah and it's, it's so beautiful that I want to drop drop in that. Yeah, magicians, energy alchemists, the ability to actually exactly. own the, the ability to actually own our sovereign um, nature right now, and to dive into everything that you just said with that um, uh, trust, but also with that. There's a sense of even though it's the unknown in your words, and I mean, as I said, I've listened to them for many years. There's a sense of knowing, even though there is the unknowing. There's a sense of knowing. You know, when you hear something. And it just goes, it, like you said, the mind can't work it out. You hear something, you know when you hear the truth. Something goes in and it's just boom. It hits your body and whatever. And you're just like, whoa, man, that was just, you know, I, whatever. I can't even question that. That is a non-questioning. And as you've spoken and also have listened to your words, as you know, many times. And, and I'm just going to say, not even it's just about your words. It's, it's, a, it's for me, it's the, the message, right? It's a consciousness that's come through you. Transmitter, receiver. You've been the conduit that has allowed that collective message, vibration, if you will, to come through. That's how I've received you always. And, that's exactly how it is. Right. And, and, and so, you know, when I received that, you know, as, as much as I, I'm super blessed and grateful to meet the conduit in, in almost person, right? And I have a lot of respect for you as that being. It's not an, a, a, an idolizing, putting you on this pedestal though it's more of just a deep love and respect That's for so you. old school yeah, yeah exactly yeah. right and so when i when i hear that and i feel what you're saying i know that there's this sort of 
there's these like two narratives playing out. I mean, Charles Eisenstein calls it in between stories, right? It's there's two, it feels like, I mean, there's many narratives, but it feels like there's two narratives where, you know, there's this sense of like, oh, just surrender and it's trust and, and um, you know, and um, uh, people going, oh, that's just love and light, that's spiritual. No, we need to get down. This technology is consuming us. It's going in and there's a density. And as you said, all this information. And then I love how you said it. it's like coming right back here. And I know I'd love you to talk a bit about this, uh, what I'm about to share is that we've heard for a long time about intuition, right? And we've heard that like we come back to ourselves, and then, you know, some people that cannot feel that would just go, oh, that sounds like bypassing, you know, come to yourself. What do you mean? These guys are going to chip us right now. We can't leave our house. Or you think I'm just going to sit in silence and just like think that it's all going to pass. I'm sorry. I need to act. Right. And then there's that sense of, then there's that sense of, coming into that spaciousness that you've spoken about, the, 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 the greater awareness of who we are, and then going, okay, so from that intuitive place, how do I respond? How do I act? And like you said, you know, that might be a collective orchestra that gets shared around the world. That might be go to the beach and connect to nature. You, know, you start to get this more, um, let's say, guided message of how to respond. But I'd love... I'd love if what pops up around the word intuition, really, that's what I'm, I'm feeling. Okay, beautiful, brother, beautiful. Thanks for bringing that on the table. Because uh, what you spoke earlier about, about the ring of truth, when you just know something to be true because it just rings inside your body, there's a resonance with what you are hearing. And so that brings us to the question of what is in resonance? It's a frequency. It's the new frequency that, is in, that creates that resonance. And it's, so it's not about information or knowledge. Back in the third-dimensional uh, 3D space-time reality, uh, in the kind of modality that we've been in for the last several thousand years, knowledge was paramount, knowing things, information, you know, being able to memorise information, knowledge was power, as they say. Well, this is all shifting. And, and as a way, by way of explaining how this is shifting, let me just define how you measure what is real in the different dimensions. In the third-dimensional plane, how we measure what is real is by if somebody says something that is in resonance with our belief system, what we've been taught, what we believe, then we generally take it on board as being real. It's either got to fit into our belief system or into our, our own experience or it's got to fit into our fear base as well. We tend to believe what is real or not is largely dictated by what we are afraid of as well as what we know to be true by, by information. On the fourth dimensional plane, it gets a little more subtle. Things are not real because of your belief system. There's a finer element that comes in, and that's that element that you just put on the table, and that is intuition. On the fourth dimensional intuition, you can listen to somebody, and just by their frequency, by, their, by, their, by feeling them, you know if they're telling the truth or not. Whereas in a 3D space-time, you can easily fool somebody because all you have to do is feed back their own belief system, their own conceptual a way of what they believe is real, and you've got them. So right. con men are brilliant at doing that, feeding back people's own belief right. systems and gaining their trust. Whereas from a fourth-dimensional space, somebody like that will be, will be picked out immediately because it just doesn't equate. The words don't equate with the energy. Right. So that's a far better way of measuring what is real. It's more subtle. It's more nuanced. It's more uh, coming from the heart than it is just from the head. It's using both, but it's accessed first by the heart. You feel if it's in resonance. But then when you get to a fifth dimensional state, it gets even 
more out there. On from a fifth dimensional reality, things are real because you declare them to be real. Mm. Your word is your wand. There was a great man on this planet who mm. said, I'm the way, I'm the light, I'm the truth. Now, he wasn't ignoting himself. What he was doing was he was aligning himself with that fifth dimensional reality, which is a sense of unity consciousness. It's non-dual awareness. And he was saying, I am that, and I am channeling that and anchoring that into ingressing that into the 3D space-time, and that is what I'm delivering to you now. And that's why I loved what you said about being a channel. It's not me or any individual that's, that's uh, creating these, these ideas. We are channeling, being willing conduits for that information to come through at this time. Because why? Because just because that information wants to come through at this time. And so many people are awakening to themselves on higher and higher dimensional frameworks of being where that new frequency that is coming in, which is uh, utterly discontinuous Mm. from the frequency that we've been living in, in the paradigm that we've been born into and the condition that we underwent in our upbringing, that is being, being coming undone. Right. And that's part, that's the reason for our, our initiation right now, so that we can release all that old conditioning, bear ourselves to the eternal now, and just be open to receiving, not knowing, receiving information that is just pouring onto the earth right now. Mm. We've come, uh, because we're coming to the end of a 26,000 year processional cycle. I don't know if you're aware of yeah. that. Uh, it's to do with the wobble of the earth, and it's also how the solar system moves around the central sun Alcyone in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. We're just coming back to, to the original place of that. We're coming to a very high-frequency part of the galaxy, which is opening us. And also the sun is playing a large role in that. In the, we've had unprecedented coronal mass ejections over the last you know, nine to ten years. And NASA has all of its cameras on the sun at the moment because there's so much activity. And, and the sun, of course, is the father. And if you look at all the planets uh, in the solar system, they're like his children or his wives or concubines, however we're going to look at it. And what happens with the father is transmitted to all of those other planets. And, you know, we're talking about climate change here on the Earth. Well, there's a whole body of scientists now that have, you know, written petitions and saying, look, climate change has got nothing to do with human, human activity, you know, or very, very little. Right. Because why is Mercury, why is Venus, why is Mars also heating up? There's no humans on those planets. Right. So what's the common denominator? Oh, the sun. The sun has its own cycles, just as the Earth has its own cycle, just as the solar system has its own cycle. And we're coming to the, like a Swiss watch, coming to an incredible, where all these cogs are coming together at zero point. A 5,000-year timeline the Mayans always measure for the birthing of the sixth sun, where every 5,000 years consciousness becomes predominantly either feminine or masculine. We're just coming to the end of a a dominator, masculine-oriented form of consciousness, which we've been in for the last 5,000 years, and just re-entering into the domain of the feminine, which is being birthed again. Right, which we're seeing. And we're coming to the end of a a 5,800-year cycle, which is the processional cycle. There's also a larger cycle of 100,000 years, and they're all coming together and going, click. And this is very big news for, for the Earth and for human consciousness and for our brothers and sisters in the galaxy who are just waiting for us to be born. And if you look at the Earth, it's really like a little egg. It's like an ovum. 
And, you know, the air that we breathe can be considered the amniotic fluid. Our historical process within time, within 3D space-time, is like an in vitro dreaming. It's been an in vitro, we've been in the womb dreaming that we've had this life. And we do have a life, but it's been in vitro. And we are just about to be birthed. The egg is about to release consciousness and where we will become absolutely cognizant of our brothers and sisters in the stars. Instead of looking out up there going, hmm, I wonder if there's life up there, you know. Life is abundant right here, right now, filtered out by our five senses, of course. But there are interpenetrating dimensions and intersecting realities that most of us are completely oblivious of. Right. right here, right now, just like cyberspace has no location in time or space, so these these hyperdimensional states, these worlds, these other dimensions, which are accessed through the sacred plants and through meditation, through many other modalities, uh, and through initiation into, into divine mysteries, one can access these things. And I believe that the initiation we're, we're stepping into globally and collectively as a human family is, in fact, a mystery school, just mm. as the old mystery schools of old. But we're going through this one together, right. and we will be literally birthed into an awareness of the multiplicity of intelligences that are happening everywhere in this galaxy, let alone in this universe. So I believe I am so excited by this time. This is an amazing time to be alive. And it's beautiful to remember the bigger picture. Wow. Because it will help us to trust as things get more intense, they will get more intense. Right. It will get darker before it gets brighter. But all we have to do is remember that the darkest hour comes just before the dawn. And to remember this is a birthing, that we are present at a birthing. And mm. it is a magnificent event, unprecedented in our historical process. And it will be birthed into a galactic awareness, into a, at least a solar system awareness, if not galactic. Wow. And, and so this is a phenomenal event. I'm so excited by it. You know? Wow. Wow. I feel, I not only feel that excitement, I've just gone on a, um, I've, well, I'm just gone on a complete trip right there. That's that. That was, you know, that was just for me, listening to you, feeling into you, and and opening to that, you know, because all of those cycles, I've heard them in different ways. Some through you, other yeah. people talking back in twenty, you know, twelve, the Mayan, the Mayans talking of different cycles and so on. Of course, what we moved through back in twenty twelve was at the point where I was coming through the early, uh, let's say, awakening process, where I was so in the whole egoic, dense striving to be an actor, you know, all about me, me, me mentality. And I went through a huge death in, you know, 2008, 9, 10, 11, um, and, and starting to go, what the hell? Like seeing world, seeing the world as uh, I'd never, ever contemplated it, right? Con- even just seeing nature, the colors of nature, the vibrancy of the mystery, like I'd never seen it. And that, that in itself was multiple deaths, I can tell you, Darpan, depression for a, 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 a period of, and then like, oh, love is leading me, you know, and then going, well, I'm, I'm coming from a world of taking drugs, hedonism, and a criminal, right? I was a criminal for a long time, Darpan. <laughs> I, I come from, I come from a, a world of... Um, gangster of love. Gangster of love. And then I'm coming in like going, oh, now I sur- surrender to love. A force is taking me like no before I'm, if anybody heard me, I was like, what the fuck has happened to this dude, right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm just surrendering now to, to something far greater than I. And the last sort of, you know, 10 years have you know, led me to this point now with you talking This here. is so beautiful to, to witness, you know, to watch the flowers bloom is, 
It's just the most beautiful thing. You know, you're a young star seed, but I, I was born earlier on when the conditioning was still very powerful and I had to grow up against some very, very rigid thought forms and beliefs right. and concepts as a young boy, which all grated upon me. But my job was to sort of like go, fuck you, as <laughs> a lot of my generation did. We're not buying that. We're doing something different. Right. And then to suddenly soften and, and go through that same process that you were just describing and to soften and be rebirthed into something that is much more compassionate and kind and and uh, and I can totally relate to your process. But talking about 2012, we had a really big celebration here, a big uh, ceremony on Mama Sanctuary here where I live on that 21st of December 2012. And although it wasn't the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, kind of like cataclysmic event that we some of us thought it might be, what I felt happened that night, and this is I distinctly felt this around midnight, was that we'd reached critical mass. But what had been previously up until then, an uphill battle, a bit like carrying the rock of Sisyphus to the top of the mountain with great struggle and great effort, was now a downhill run, like a Mm. snowball would just start growing on itself. And indeed, I feel that is exactly what happened. And and what we're entering into now, although it's a number of years, seven or eight years past the the 2012 thing, um, it's it's now, this is the momentum is starting to, to really gain speed. And, uh, you know, like, it's, it's, it's a really, really tricky point that we're in right now because, you know, to take the analogy of the birth again, when the child, which has been in amniotic bliss for nine months, which is, you know, timeless in that state, it's like eternity, in the womb of the mother, compl- all your needs being cared for, all your food, your nourishment is, is, is taken care of, you're hanging in this beautiful warm space, connected with mother, connected to her heartbeat, just heaven state, right? Well, then when it comes time for term, term is, is full and the, the baby turns inside the mother's womb and the head turns towards this, towards uh, the cervix and then peristalsis begins and peristalsis to that fetus must feel like forces beyond its own control, right. forcing it towards this impossibly tiny little cervix, it must think, fuck, I'm dying, shit, I'm dying, what's happening? My world is being turned upside down. I'm being forced by by forces outside of my control to go down to this thing and I'm fucking dying. And so it gets forced through the vaginal canal, through the darkness of the vaginal canal. And it's like going through this ordeal. And, of course, we as parents on the other side, welcome, hi, welcome to the world, you're being born. And the baby's going, what the fuck? What the fuck? Where am I? Where at? Whoa, 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 whoa. Screaming. You know? <laughs> and so we're like this now. We're just peristalsis has just begun. The labor mm. pangs, the onset of labor pangs have just begun with this lockdown. And we are starting to head towards the cervix. And so that means a space of not knowing, of darkness, of dangerous passage, right. volcanic ecstasy. It's like strong, but all we can do is go with it, go yeah. with it. Yeah. We don't have any control over it anyway. Yeah. Because the forces that are causing it are beyond our control. Right. And so we have to go with it and go with it and trust. Trust. Yeah. In the yeah. birthing. Yeah. In the process trust. of birthing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good to be mindful of that bigger picture. So, no. You know, no it, strength as we go through. Immensely. My. I mean, like I said, my my my. You know, my cogs are, are twisting right now from you, and I'm I'm totally receiving again uh, your poetic transmission and i and i love i mean maybe 
I'm hoping people watching this can can totally relate because I'm a big picture thinker. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a yeah. raging I'm a raging optimist. But when you bring me into the bigger picture, it actually allows me to die, Darpan, in that moment. That little that little me that might be holding on to some sort of uh, familiarity or certainty or that oh, you know, what's going to happen when that, when we go into that with bigger picture? There's such a for me, there's a spaciousness that happens of like. I can, I can, I, I don't, I'm not the one in control of this anyway. So I can actually just go, hey, you know, let me let go, which you've also mentioned many times, this idea of letting go. But I feel there is a, a level of conscious awareness, a level of consciousness that allows us to go into that bigger picture, right? There's a level of, like our nervous system has to be relaxed in order for us to even contemplate and welcome in what you're also offering to, to everybody listening today, yeah? And so, yeah. so I remember a talk, and we don't have to go into this, but I want to bring it up for people um, on who might watch it. You did a talk once at a, a festival that I, I captured. Uh, I, I, I didn't capture, I watched. And you spoke of the transition of our transformation through actually some of the, uh, let's call them, um, I'm not just going to, I'm going to use the word drugs, but I, I don't, I'm going to use them as a medicine, if you will. But you, you spoke of the 60s, then you spoke of, um, uh, you know, um, LSD, and then you spoke of it moving into the uh, marijuana, then you spoke of it moving into um, uh, MDMA, which I was like, I, I was 15 years on MDMA, Darpan. It's like, you know, I, I, I bloody, well, I realized, I realized once I, access real like love you. yeah I, I when i when i realized once i accessed the real love i didn't need the mdma because this no. ecstasy is pure is pure mdma beyond mdma right people, some, people sometimes say to me wouldn't you go back and, and take a mdma and i say well at the moment if it was better than what i'm experiencing now i'd go back and take more of it but right now the the space that i'm in it's not really touching it right i'm, I'm high I'm i high. completely relate I, with you brother. right and then, and, and, and then you moved into, and then you spoke about um, plant medicine. And, and I know a little bit that you have really not just uh, dabbled from a sort of, like I dabbled with drugs from a hedonistic, you know, completely unconscious perspective, but you have explored it. And I don't know if that resonates with you right now with what's coming through, but maybe a little, a little um, yeah, a little bit of your wisdom from experiencing and exploring many of these modalities. And of course, inviting people on that journey does that does that feel aligned to what we're absolutely we're, yes yeah? yes 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 thank yeah. you for the question now i'm just going to take my ears off because they're low on battery yeah so just let me disconnect and then sadly i'll just have to keep going with the computer no problem carry on <clears throat> right the question yeah let's take a just take a deep breath <laughs> well, the very essence of these uh, sacred plants and transformatory alkaloids that can shift consciousness in radical ways is the death and re death rebirth experience. And as you so beautifully expressed just a moment ago, there are so many different ways to die. We can die every day to an experience, a feeling, you know, uh, to uh, every moment we're reborn. We can we can die to attitudes, to ideas to literally go through physical sensations that although may not cause our physical death, there is a kind of a, a symbolic death. So death and rebirth are the, the very essence, the very core of the process of transforming consciousness. Right. Which was why I was so attracted to these substances, particularly the psychedelics, 
uh, and psychotomimetics from a very young, early age. I think I took my, took my first mushrooms and LSD when I was about 17. Mm. And, uh, and I was studying a psychology at university and, uh, and it changed my life. Absolutely. Just, uh, this just, when, as soon as I took it, I thought, I know this space. I know it. It's so at home with me. This feels more real than what I've been living all these years, you know. So I felt very, very at home in that space. And recreationally, I, ke I, I kept, uh, I started to explore it very deeply, although not in a professional sort of way, but certainly recreationally. Um, I was working as an actor and as a musician, a professional actor at that stage, and that was the focus of my work. But my other focus, my recreational focus, I was always hanging out with friends and we would always go into nature and take LSD or mescaline or mushrooms together as a way of bonding, opening up to each other, sharing ideas, sharing philosophies, sharing new information. Uh, the, the work of the plants was already at the very crux of, of, of my existence at that time. And if somebody had said to me, oh, you're going to make, you know, that's what you're going to be doing later on, I would have laughed because it, I'd never had the idea that one could actually, uh, that this would be a bona fide way of, of teaching. Right. Until I came across uh, in my studies uh, of, of the great mystery schools, the great schools in, in the mystery schools of Eleusis, the mystery schools in Egypt, the Mithraic mystery schools of Persia, the, the Zoroastrian rites. So many of these mystery schools all involved the, uh, the orchestration of death and rebirth. Mm. This is the only way we can really get out of the box. Everything else, we can mitigate information within the box, which is what we normally do in our culture. We, you know, look back on how we did it in the past. We do it, uh, we improve upon it now. We extrapolate upon that in the future. It's all in this linear, causal, sequential method of, of information. Mm. But even uh, Einstein once said, uh, you can never solve a problem within the same box or consciousness in which it was created. In other words, you've got to get out of the box to really get a whole new perspective on something. Right. And I found that the sacred plants were just amazing ways, like gifts of consciousness. Uh, like we have our food, we take food in to nourish our body. But this was to me like food for the soul, food for the spirit. There was opening up multidimensional awareness as my taking away the blinkers of my linear vision and understanding and apprehending life from a different modality, which at the time that I was doing it was very much in the minority. There were very, very few people I could talk about uh, these things to. And yet now, you know, like a good 45 years later, it's incredible how, like, how fast this has shifted. Right. And uh, to get back to the part of your question about all the different uh, substances that I've used over the years, I see these things much in the same way that Timothy Leary looked at them. He called right. them intelligence agents. Right. So he calls these substances intelligence agents. And so LSD was the first one that came on the scene when I was just a teenager. Uh, and that was like a big, deep depth charge into the collective. Collective. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, it affected everyone, the whole psychedelic revolution, Woodstock, right. all of that. As chaotic as it was, uh, was indelibly imprinted upon the collective unconscious right. in, in ways that were unprecedented, in ways that could never have been measured or quantitated. Quanti uh, yeah. So the thing is that 
um, it was a lot of people fell by the wayside in those times because it was obviously taken often out of context. Exactly. People took it in places where they should not have taken it and had what they call bad trips and uh, negative experiences. But I, I found that with these substances, if they're taken within the right context, uh, and that was basically set and setting, uh, like the place where you take them and the mindset that you bring towards these uh, sacraments, uh, only good can come out of them. You know, uh, even if you have a challenging journey, or uh, when you come back down and integrate, you can see that the challenge was really, really bringing right. to the surface something that needed to be put on the table that was perhaps unconscious earlier. Right. So LSD was the first one. And, uh, but it was such a big experience that when, by the time we got to the 70s, people went, whoa, what was that? Shit, that was big, wasn't it? Fuck, you know, this sudden explosion. Student power, you know, the, the Beatles, rock music, you know, they were all carrying the standard of consciousness at that point. And, but then everybody pulled back and went, whoa, that was a bit much. What are we all doing? And then what came next? MDMA in the 80s. That was the one that was more specific. It was designed to just open one chakra instead of all of them and throwing them all open, opening the floodgates. It was just like much more usable, more user-friendly, more kind of like therapeutically available to be used in a way that uh, could be more gentle, if I want to put it in that way. Not that LSD wasn't gentle, but it could also be chaotic. Uh, and, um, and so we all jumped on the M MDMA bandwagon at that time. I was uh, with Osho and there were many, many of the great uh, MDMA chemists on the planet were sannyasins at the time. And this was even before it was made illegal. We, had, right. we were privy to the most purest MDMA right. that you could possibly get. And, I, and we were using it at places like the Humaniversity in Holland, which was a therapeutic community of people who were studying primal therapy, tantra, meditation, zen, all kinds of pathways there. And the guy who was running that uh, therapeutic community, a guy called Varesh, who was Varesh, a very good friend yeah. of mine. Varesh, yeah. yes. He, he's no longer with yeah. us, no? No, he's no longer with us. Oh, yeah. But he was given dispensation by the Dutch government, legal dispensation, to mm. use MDMA as, as therapeutically as long as we wrote up reports for it. So we would have, like, situations where we'd have 300 people taking it all at the same time. And then opening up, we were all doing one-on-one -on -one exercises, eye-gazing, doing all kinds of therapeutic work with it. We weren't just taking it and goofing off. Right. Uh, later on in the 90s, I came across that where it was being used in the dance halls and the dance oh, bar. Yeah, that, that, well, that's where I got it. That's where I, like, I got it. And like, I got it uh, now with my awareness. I'm like, shit, if I'd have had that and I actually had some awareness at the time, <laughs> I could have <laughs> took it to another level. But carry on, carry on. You're in your flow. Well, so anyway, but just as an adjunct to that, to digress a bit further, by the time I got to the dance party thing as you did, I thought, what the fuck? These people are just taking it and just dancing? Then I thought, well, how can you do that? But then I got into it and got into it. I thought, oh, yeah, I get this. This is cool. Everyone's like ding, ding, ding. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. on. And there was the one mind, the one level of one yes. consciousness in the room. And I really got it. It was yeah. great. But it did go down that hedonistic path and suddenly yes. had the jaw sticking out. Oh, my God. The crying in the teeth. And, and then I, I tell, I tell yeah. people sometimes, you, I go, like, in the morning, you go and eat a bit of bread and you're like, yeah. <laughs> like, everyone's like gone and the thing is is if only again I want to say if only there was a level of awareness of because everybody suffered I often say Darpan and I'm just yeah. to jump in here I often say that when I now bring people together in events and we access the, the, the real love the unconditional love 
I often say to people, it takes a bit longer. We have to do some shaking, some movement, some eye gaze, and we do a number of different practices. And what I try to say to them is all the, the only thing different is we're activating the same stuff that the MDMA was giving us. We're hitting the, the oxytocin and the serotonin and everything. However, when you take a bit of MDMA, you don't have to do anything, right? You take it, you wait for it to come up, and then, oh, you, then you're like, oh, now I'm really present, Darpan. Oh, I see your eyes. And you're I in the... Right? I love you so much. And I didn't realize how much I loved you. And I just be wanting to tell you for days, you know, and, and that can come, but it requires us to do more practice. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm jumping in. Carry yeah. on. You was in that. So, so in those days, we were using it therapeutically and we had amazing results, really incredible. Uh, just Boom. because the, these things are teachers right. and used with respect and used with awareness. They really can open up, like in the case of MDMA, it opened up the domain of the heart. Right. Uh, where suddenly we could feel that and it would immerse you into the frequency of the heart. And you go, okay, yeah, well, people would say, yeah, but it's just the drug making you feel like that. Well, yes, it does. But if you immerse again and again and again into that space, then by immersing yourself within it, you start to learn how to generate it. Exactly. Because all these substances are teachers. And if you are a good student and you're learning, then you will learn how to generate that frequency on the natch by yourself but it's good to have the teacher to immerse you into high levels of those frequencies so you know what it is right. so you can experience it you know it you can taste it you know the feeling rather than it just being an intellectual understanding or something that you're chasing that you might get further down the track yeah. so it had a really really great impact on that and i remember there were times uh in the 80s late 80s when in London, Trafalgar Square, there were hundreds of people all turning on. There were people in New York. There were people. So there was all these beautiful things that were happening at that time right. too. But then after that and after MDMA went in from the hands of people who really wanted to share that love vibe and it got more into the hand of the underworld and the mafia, exactly. suddenly you didn't know what you were having. Right. You had these pills and you didn't know what was in it. And people were saying, oh, yeah, it's MDMA, but it was never pure anymore and it had different effects. But... Just at that time, what should turn up on the scene? But ayahuasca. Right. And in this one, instead of just opening the heart or just opening the third eye like LSD, suddenly every chakra was open. And what's more, there was no toxicity because what I found with MDMA, as beautiful a teacher as it is, it does deplete serotonin in the brain right. after constant time. And we need to replace that. And one of the qualities of ayahuasca is that it, it increases platelets in the brain and increases serotonin in the brain. 5-HTP is something that is produced when you take ayahuasca, which is why it is a natural antidepressant and why even if you have a harrowing, challenging journey on ayahuasca, you will always the next day feel absolutely beautiful and calm and at peace and at, at peace with oneself, at peace with the world and feeling in a good, beautiful, positive, loving space. Uh, and, um, Darpan, and so Darpan, then, let, me, no, let me stop you there. Just I want because I, yeah. I know you have a great experience in this, and I want to just drop in here. And because before we move on to the next part, I tell you why is it because people have started to abuse ayahuasca, and I yeah. and, and, and 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 so what you're just saying, I'm hearing from that purity, and what I'm hearing a few times now when people are showing up is they're having a, a bit of a harrowing after effect, and because the shaman or the person holding the space has been, um, not 
um, let's, I'm not, I don't want to blame them, but I'm saying these are the stories that have come to me that have not supported the um, integration process. Right. Now, now yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know if that's even relevant to where you were going, but I just wanted to bring that in there because there's a lot of people at the moment going, oh, you know, everyone's thinking ayahuasca is the savior and some people are jumping in there with a, with a wrong intention and they're coming out the other side feeling bloody, you know, more damaged than they went in. But anyway, I well, I, very good that you brought that up because it's a very real uh, consideration in these right. times. Right. You see, with all of these things, the same thing happened with LSD, the same thing happened with MDMA. There is a honeymoon period where when you jump into that first cycle, it's just, ah, oh, goodness, light, love, all of that. But then because we live in a 3D space-time world, there comes a point where you're going to have to confront the shadow, the right. shadow aspect, the same thing. And, you know, I heard of people like abusing MDMA as well and abusing LSD. And certainly I've come across lots because I work with ayahuasca and it's a pet thing of mine of people who should never be giving the medicine, who are giving the medicine, who've just right. stepped up to that with had, not having had any training or not having any awareness or any calling for that matter. Right. It's a calling to work with these plants. It's not something you decide to do. It's something that you kind of get drawn towards kicking and streaming, if you like, because uh, it's because you're called to it. It's a vocation, and if it's anything less than that, then you then you can be you can be causing harm. And I, when my advice to people who who want to approach ayahuasca is always, it's not about the ayahuasca. It's the hand that gives you the ayahuasca. Really check that out. That's the important thing. If you don't trust the hand that is giving you ayahuasca, don't drink with that person. If you do, by all means, do it. Because that's what you need. Again, you need to use your fourth dimensional way of measuring what is real and what right. is not real. Not from the blah, blah and what people are saying, but feel into it and feel this person. That's why at the beginning of every ceremony that I did in the early days, I would talk for an hour about the history of ayahuasca, the usage, you know, the, the traditions. Not just to give information, but just so people would have time to feel into who am I. Who is this person in the ayahuasca? And if anybody felt that they didn't trust me, then they could just leave. And uh, But generally in those moments, people go, yes, I trust this person. And if that is the case, then the, uh, then the session will go off without a hitch. Insofar as you have somebody in the group going, oh, I don't know where this guy's coming from, what's this, is this good, is this bad, you know, then it can be a problem. And I think that more than that, if you extrapolate from there again, there are some people who are coming into this story because they perceive it to be glamorous. Right. They perceive it to be something that they'd like to be, a shaman, you know, or whatever. Right. And these images and ego projections that if they only knew the truth, they would be never befooled by it because it's a very, very big undertaking to be giving ayahuasca to anybody. And unless you're fully prepared to be fully cognizant and fully respectful and fully present with that undertaking, then don't do it because not only will be doing others harm, but you'll be doing yourself harm because everybody, every time you give somebody that cup, you are taking on responsibility for their karma. And I want to be absolutely, you know, clear about that. That's the truth. That's why my teachers told me never give ayahuasca to anybody unless you are there to take care of them or unless it's somebody who's, you know, really well and who's a student or someone who you know is deeply experienced, then it's okay. Mm. Because it's, it's so easy um, this medicine is a portal. It's like the knife uh, uh, image I was using before. It is a portal to the, uh, to the worlds of light, the realms of light. And it doesn't have any judgment about where you go. 
uh, and in the fourth dimensional plane, the astral plane, the realms of light, are still dualistic phenomenons. You still have all the lords of light and all the lords of darkness and everything in between. So it is still dualistic, just a lot more elastic plastic, a lot more permeable to thoughts and feelings than the physical domain, but nonetheless still dualistic. So in other words, when you open that portal, the way that why you need a shaman is because a shaman knows through his own intention or her own intention and through their songs and sounds and frequencies how to find your way to those parts of the astral plane that can be beneficial and be healing to the people that you're, that you're serving. And in that way, bless them through the magic of the medicine, through this ecology of souls that you connect with in the astral to bring their blessings into the circle, to bring healing, to bring the gift of multidimensional awareness. But if you get some idiot who is not really cognizant of those realities in the first place, who then goes, oh, I've got some ayahuasca, here, take some, and they're opening up the portal and they're singing some songs that they don't even know what they're saying. They're singing some ikaros that they've found online or they've listened to and they're not even clear on what they're calling into the circle. Then it's no wonder that chaos is the result. It's no wonder that people have really bad experiences that they can't resolve for months and months afterwards. You wouldn't believe how many people I get called upon to do one-on-one Skype sessions to heal them from sessions in which they've been deeply scarred and harmed because the practitioner has had no idea about what he or she has been doing. And sadly, we don't have an AMA with ayahuasca. We don't have an advisory body which says, oh, yeah, these are the ethics and you're qualified and you're not. Now, I'm not saying we need that, but all I'm saying is that there's a a, a big area of... uh, of, of, of vagueness where people can just decide that they're going to give the medicine and then what you get in a session is the amplification of the shaman or the practitioner's own energy field. So I've been into some sessions where they've been absolutely chaotic and really horrendous and an ordeal to be present in. And I've seen that it's been because the shaman himself was unresolved. Right. Not to say that catharsis doesn't happen. In every session, that's part and normal, part and parcel of it. But I'm talking about the general tone of the session, mm-hmm. the general way that it is. And if it's being held correctly, it should have like a temple-like space, a space of high frequency, a space of the heart, of love, of, of transformation. And, yes, within that context, within that nest, within that crucible, uh, one still goes through very challenging experiences, but you're being held by the crucible of love. Mm. And every person, even when they're going through challenging experiences, who's present in that kind of a circle will know it. Right. They will know in the same way that you were talking about knowing before, right. it's okay for me to go through this. It's okay for me to go open myself. And right. uh, on the other hand, you have some people who are very innocent or let's say not, not innocent, who are naive, who go to shamans that they don't know and they just put these shamans on a pedestal just because they're handing out tea right. and because they learned how to throw two plants together um, and putting all their trust in them without any discernment whatsoever, without mm. really critically looking at this person going, do I trust this person? Right. And what's my motivation for coming to this session? They're just coming because it's the thrill of finding something out or it's a new thing, it's a new right. fad. And sadly, ayahuasca has become a bit of a fad. Right. Sadly, that is the case. And it's inevitable. It's like all these cycles. Like I was saying, as a honeymoon period, when the shadow comes in, we've got to pass through the shadow, just as we're collectively going through the shadow now on the planet for the general awakening of consciousness. But I must say that ayahuasca 
is has been a very very visible agent of change on this planet yes, in terms yes. of the radical transformation of consciousness. Yes, and all of them, and, and and all of them, as you describe that, right? It's so beautiful. I just want to say thank you first as well, just to drop in there, just how you just described that and how you just expressed that from somebody who knows. That's why you know, trusting the flow of this conversation that that had to come through because I love how you described the, that these are agents of, uh, what, what did you say, agents of... Uh, intelligence agents. Yeah, intelligence agents. Like, right, right. Drivers. Right, right, right. And that, 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 I totally love that. I love the way you've described the temple and the portal. And the, and actually, you've brought it all sort of... I'm, I'm, I know I want, I want to hear a bit more from you. I, mean, I could talk to you for hours, Dave, and this is going to be one of many. I think seriously, I've got, <laughs> I've, got, I've, got I've got, I've got, I've, I've got more to extrapolate, but um, extrapolate. But I love how you brought in the temple, the portal, the, the being able to navigate ourselves into these astral realms to expand our consciousness, and then how you beautifully brought it back to in again intuition and trust. And you said actually that though some of these people would just trust, give all their trust. And I would probably go and say, I, I see that more as blind faith, actually, as opposed to trust, yeah, because naivety. you're the naivety, because actually, you're, yeah, I don't know, I want you to continue anyway, whatever's alive in you, but I love how it came back again to that four, as you describe it, the fourth dimensional awareness of like, actually, let me feel in right now to this being, does this feel true to me? And it's a, get, it's a call to everyone listening today. This, as I've mentioned on many of my other talks, this is a call to self-empowerment. So you can start to go, what, what, is my, what is my feeling right now? What is my intuition saying? This is a, it, it, yeah, I just want that. That's all. That's what's alive in me. I, I just, what, whatever's there no, for you. got it. Thank you. Yeah. This is a really, really important point. I'm really glad that we're on this because, as you say, there's just a, a, a kind of a, a plethora of people giving sessions now. You know, when I first started... No one had ever heard of ayahuasca 25 years ago. No one had ever heard of it. And I would have to speak about it for an hour before every you know, session just to give people an indication of it. But now, in this short, this blink of an eyelid, just 25 years, it's in every Western country in the world where it was really needed because we were living with a split consciousness in the West. We were so ruled by and dominated by a left-brain consciousness that it, we needed to be invited back into the garden and really when you think about it in our christian ideology we were booted out of the garden by a jealous and angry god um, and we were born as i was taught by as a catholic boy um with original sin because of what adam and eve did they got booted out of the garden right. and had to go into this so now what ayahuasca is doing is it's inviting us back into the garden it's inviting us to be cognizant of the fact that all things are connected the web of life is multidimensional, intersecting and interpenetrating itself in this one divisive eternal now. And that is unrolling out every moment by moment in this massive simplicity and complexity at the same time, as above, so below. So, I mean, it's a blessing that has come onto this planet. And in such a short time to have uh, inveigled itself into the Western psyche so incredibly with a minimum of fuss. Yes, there have been deaths but very, very few compared to how deeply this has penetrated and gone behind enemy lines, so to speak, behind the conscious mind and got in there underneath, under the carpet and doing its work. And so now it's a, it's a wave that is impossible to stop. Right. You know, governments know they can't stop it now. It's too, there's too many people involved. And so, like, it, it, it has its own intelligence and unfolding. And um, 
And, 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 can I, and all I would ask people to be yeah, is just act with discernment. Right. Discernment is your greatest tool, your greatest mm. ally. Mm. You know, having a little bit of skepticism is a good thing mm. because otherwise you just blindly believe what anybody, any person will tell you right. uh, that sounds vaguely spiritual and vaguely uh, coincides with what you happen to believe is true. You'll just believe it willy-nilly. Well, I'm just saying to you, don't do that. Just check in with yourself. Don't believe what I'm saying right now. If it resonates with you in your heart, by all means, take it on. You're welcome. But if it doesn't, don't take it on. Don't right. take on anything that doesn't resonate with your own truth. Right. And that way we find each other. That way flames find other flames and we find who we resonate with. And people find each other by natural, just like water will find water. And um, and so, like, my, my advice to people who are wanting to check out ayahuasca is that is to walk with discernment. This is a tertiary endeavour. It's not beginner's class. You know, ayahuasca is, assumes that you've done some deep work already and that means you have to understand that you create your reality moment by moment, that you are a, a, a generator of frequencies and energies that actually contribute to creating this reality that we experience. If you can accept that, then you will, are a good candidate for ayahuasca because you will come to accept whatever emerges from your deep unconscious right. as, and you will own it. Yeah. If you are not ready to accept that, you will tend to blame the practitioner or the medicine or the session or something right. else for, that, for it not working. But as I say, it gets complex when you do get practitioners who are not qualified and who don't know what they're doing because that complicates matters greatly. But generally speaking, I would say, if you follow that and keep discernment, and especially in South America of all places, where when I first started going to South America for dietas 25 years ago, you know, most of the shamans, you had to really look for them. They were deep in the jungle. They weren't advertising their wares. But now in Peru, anybody who declares themselves to be a shaman is a shaman. Right. And you find all kinds of people jumping up and selling their wares on the street. Right. My right. advice is don't yeah. go to those. Yeah. Look a little bit more deeply. Practice discernment. Follow your intuition. You will get led to the right person yeah. because that's the way ayahuasca works. It works by aligning you with the flow of synchronicity so that you get the right information at the right time for your next step. Right. And that's how I live my life. I don't plant anything in my life anymore. Yeah. All I do is I ask for the next step. And when that is given me, I let my mind and my body and my being get right behind that, you know, buy the tickets, you know, organize the situation, whatever needs to be done for this next step. And that's my business. Yeah. But the next step is not my business. That's the domain of spirit. That's fifth dimensional awareness. And I'm only open to receive that. That's nothing to do with my personality. My personality, once it gets its instructions, then follows it out. But it's not me that's in control. Not I, but thy will be done. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by thy is not another person. It's a unified field of consciousness. It's a non-dual awareness. It's a sense of oneness. It's our very home, our heart, what we are made of at essence. That is where I receive instructions from. And that in my heart, that place of non-dual awareness, is directly aligned to the one and all. And so my personality, my mind, my body, my emotions are great tools to place into practice whatever I receive from spirit because the mind is the wish-fulfilling tree. It's literally capable of manifesting anything it dreams of. You know, whatever it dreams of doing, you know, we're dreaming of going to the moon. We long did that a long time ago. Dreaming of exploring the, the solar system. Well, we're in, well into doing that as well. Um, the thing is that 
when the mind thinks it's in control, when you think you are the mind, when you think the mind or your ego is who you are, then the mind becomes a petty tyrant and things become a struggle and things become difficult in life and things don't flow and you don't find that flow of synchronicity. You have to work hard and struggle to achieve what your mind thinks it should uh, should go for. Right. And life becomes a struggle mm-hmm. and that way you become the, you know, and it, all you have to do is step out of that and go, not my will but thy will be done, but it is a big leap of trust and faith and, and surrender to the mm. divine, to the divine. But that's all. All it requires is a willing. <laughs> that, that's all. That's all. That's all. <laughs> it sounds easy, but it's, it is easy, but yes. it is also difficult. But it's like riding a bike, isn't it? Before you get on the bike, you think, how the fuck can you stay on two wheels? Yes. And, of course, when you try, you fall off. Yeah. But after a while, you think, how the fuck can I fall off? Yeah. And that's how it is with the flow of synchronicity. And then you start, and then you start doing jumps and all sorts. Exactly. And you have yeah. fun and you celebrate and you sing and you dance, which is what we're meant to do. Right, right, beings. right, right. Well, this is so beautiful. This is so, so beautiful. It's so beautiful. You know why it's so beautiful? And I, and I want to, so you've come, you've come again, you've, this is, you know, we've come full circle to the, um, the line that I've taken from you and... I want to just speak a little tiny bit to what you just shared, just to throw in there for people that haven't done ayahuasca, because I haven't done ayahuasca, and I want to just throw something in there. And then I want to, um, I want to acknowledge a line that is stuck with me from you ever since, and it's just like it's played as part of my anchor, as a, as a, as a great uh, intention and reminder whenever I pour, get lost in my own persona or my own density that you've just described. I don't need to repeat that. Um, and I, I support many people and many people come to me in that density, in that, uh, you know, confusion that you've, you've pointed to. And I've often, I actually, one person, I pointed them to somebody who was really dense, a friend of mine, I pointed him to ayahuasca and his experience was exactly what you described it because he wasn't ready to receive what the message was. He blamed the drink. He blamed the person. And he said, oh, this is just like taking some ecstasy because he wasn't ready to receive the next stage of what the, 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 the medicine right. was inviting him. But you, sure. you brought it back to divine play, which is amazing. And I want to say to the people, this is purely for people watching, is that I haven't been on the ayahuasca journey, but I have, through my own experiences of exploring with um, MDMA and so on, I know that this interconnectedness to all being, this awareness through meditation, through real going in and cleaning yourself out and dying to the thoughts, feelings, ideas, conceptions that you have about yourself and reality and actually getting yourself out of those uh, limited, let's say, beliefs, right? You can also open yourself. Your heart can open. Your your uh, um, uh, awareness can open to what Darpan's pointing to. But I love how Darpan today has, has linked it in that, you know, these are tools for us. And one thing I wanted to bring in, uh, Darpan, was that, and I'd love to hear this from you, uh, is the medicine, Mother Gaia, whatever you want to call her, like you right now, this call right now is always an invitation to then look at what needs to be cleaned and then go away and do what the plant or the medicine or the teacher is inviting you to do. And what I find, Darpan, is that many people get a message from Mother Aya or they get a message from a shaman or a teacher or from me. I say, hey, what, have, you done your, have you done this, this, and this? And then, you know, six months go by and like, did you do the work? It's like, no, I didn't do the work. Well, what the fuck? 
you can't. You're not going to get. You're not going to get the the, the 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 juice. The medicine is not going to hit you because you're not actually listening right to the to that. So, this is so important. Thank you so much for bringing this and putting that one on the table. Uh, I've only got five percent left. That's okay. Now, can you just seconds, and I'll just put my put my uh, power on because yeah. I, I really want to ask that question. Yeah, please. Can you wait? For of course, of course, a hundred percent. Hi, everyone. So, yeah, we're just going to just talk on that while this beautiful being gets his charger. And so, yeah, just coming into that, like I'm really today, if any little seed, as Darpan already said, is, is feeling like this feels true to me, then follow that right now, right? This is a great opportunity to follow any little um, nugget that you pick up from this conversation and explore it for yourself whatever that looks like, you know, if that means reaching out to somebody, if that means, um, if that means um, reading something, following like little intuition that you've, you've felt, maybe reaching out to someone. I love how Darpan just said, he just in that space of surrendering that the next place will show itself if you're willing to receive. So it looks like he's back. So let's just jump yep, in. Yep, thank you so much. No, thank no, you. No problem. I had to shift rooms because I just had to get to this PowerPoint. That's but okay. Yes, to come to this point of... Uh, my point there about everything that you mentioned uh, is that um, is that it comes down to responsibility. Right. Taking responsibility for who you are and your actions, and particularly within the context of ayahuasca, you, uh, it's, it's taking responsibility for owning everything that emerges because we are so deep. And let's face it, we all know we're only using 10% of our conscious awareness Mm. that is actually conscious. The rest of it is largely unconscious. And so the l larger part of us is not really available to our conscious mind. So what ayahuasca does is it presents that which is unconscious and brings it up onto, puts it on the table for your loving consideration to look at it, to say, oh, my God, that is me too. You know, like we uh, often put things under the table. We put things under the carpet that we don't want to look at about ourselves, like things that we might be considered negative or, or nasty or mean or, or not nice or not socially acceptable. They get put under the carpet where they live in this dungeon. And, of course, they're running our lives. They're, they're making us feel weirdly in different situations. And often we think, why am I feeling angry and stressed because this person had to say that? or whatever, you know, we've been triggered in so many ways that we're not always fully aware of. Right. Ayahuasca brings that which is unconscious and places it on the table, and the way we make it conscious is by re-experiencing. Sometimes very difficult, very challenging information. You may have had a tra trauma when you were a child. You may have been abused. You know, and the only way to release or, or disperse the locked-up energy of that is to relive it. Exactly. But in reliving it, you purge it out of your system. And purging is like a catharsis. It's like a throwing out of all kind of physical, emotional, and psychic and spiritual detritus. Mm. Stuff that's been blocking you that you weren't even aware that was blocking you. Stuff you've been carrying that you weren't even aware that you were carrying. And so ayahuasca makes you aware, and therefore it's a very humbling thing when you, when you are, are fought, when you are shown just how deep the rabbit hole goes and how deeply conditioned we all are as human beings and how much all of those painful areas of our life have been pushed into an area that has become unconscious mm -hmm. and that our liberation is involves 
making that which is unconscious conscious. And that's not always an easy thing. Now, with ayahuasca, she has both the feather and the Zen stick. You know, a good mother, because we refer to her as mother, always teaches by discipline and also by love. Mm. Even the discipline comes from a place of love. But sometimes you need a Zen stick to wake up. Sometimes you need a cuff around the ear. Sometimes you need the feather. Sometimes you need the loving juice. And so she uses both, you know. Mm. And as we become more conscious, and this can happen through ayahuasca or without ayahuasca, becoming conscious is not just specific to ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is a very, very powerful tool that can facilitate that. But um, as we become more conscious, then we become more responsible. Mm. Because when you ask people, do you want to be free? Most people go, yeah, I want to be free. Of course I want to be free. Right. Well, are you prepared to be responsible? Right. What do you mean? Take responsibility for your feelings. Take responsibility for what you're thinking. Take responsibility for what your reality is right now, regardless of how you judge it. All of those things where people go, yeah, but it's not my fault that I don't have enough money. It's not my fault that I can't afford to be abundant. It's not my fault. Well, if you're still in that mentality, then you're still in primary school Mm. and you're still in a place where you're not prepared to take responsibility. So therefore your freedom will be limited. But if you can step up to freedom, then you must also simultaneously step up to taking responsibility and stop shitting in your own backyard. Full responsibility, full responsibility. Absolutely. Because in truth, freedom and responsibility are two wings on the same bird. You take one away, the bird won't fly. So we Beautiful. can't have one without the other. So it means what I think we're going through globally today is this massive initiation into dying to our kind of like childlike status and being reborn into a conscious custodian of this incredibly beautiful planet, a conscious custodian of my own consciousness, of my own being. And that means um, waking up. And it's all it is. I love it. And waking up and smelling the joy and the perfume (laughs) of the flowers. You know what I mean? It's not difficult. It just looks difficult because, I don't want to do that. Let mommy do that. Come on, somebody else do that for me. You know, whatever it is. And it just means stepping up to the plate. Right. And that's all. And in so doing, we become whole. We become whole. We don't have to become perfect. Right. We just become whole beings that actually we accept our light, lightness of being. We accept our darkness. And when our darkness is accepted, it is just part of our beautiful richness, part of the poetry of who we are. Mm. It's like some people are afraid of the night. But the night is not just full of boogeymen. It's full of poetry and music and, and stars. stars. And yes, yes. You know, so the night is not to be something to be judged. And when we stop judging our own shadow, our own darkness, it becomes part of our wholeness. Mm. It becomes part of our beauty and mm. part of our birthright. And we become, uh, you know, we become whole. That's yeah. all it is. That's it. That's it's, it. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know what? Ah, no, but it's so beautiful. You know what? It's so, so beautiful. Um, because the, the conversation I had the other day with a, a guy called Philip Shepard, which pointed back to radical wholeness, and that it, it, it's like if there's any coming home, that's the coming home because it's the realization that I was whole all along, but I was not accepting so much of who I was. Therefore, I was separating myself from the wholeness of who I was. And it's like, ah! This is why the Buddha, the Ho Tai, showing his arms up and they're going, ah, he's laughing. Because the joke is, we had it all along. Everything we were searching for, we were already that. Oh, wow. 
in our last 5,000 years, the masculine dominated constant has gone, there it is, spiritual enlightenment. It's up there. We meditate, we mantra, we do this position, we do this practice, yeah, yeah. we'll get there. Yeah. But really what the feminine is saying, stop it. What are you talking about? Right. We're here together. It's simple. It's just gifting each other love and joy right. and peeling the onion of that which is preventing us from realizing it's here right now. Right. It's right here in this conversation. Right Right now. here. Palpable. In here, on yes. this place, right now. It's here. It always was here. Yeah. And that's the joke. That's the <laughs> joke. We were covering it up, pretending it wasn't. <laughs> yes. And it was all along. Yes. And you know what? It's like I, I invite people, Darpan, back into their sexuality through self-pleasure, right? And one of, the, one of the practices is all about like coming back into to face what you called earlier the, the original sin and face the shame and guilt. And when you start to play with yourself again, including the genitals now, because most people exclude the genitals, yes. you, you, you end up laughing, right? Because there's a laughing because like, oh my God, yeah. it's okay to play with myself, play, go into divine play. And I'm going to bring this line in because I think this is the icing on oh. the cake this is the icing on the cake right now you know what this talk is like wherever we've gone we've gone it's the icing on the cake what is left and this is what you brought to my world through your transmission is to joyously participate in the divine i'm tingling all over my body right now the divine ecstasy of creation that line darpan oh, oh. blew me open blew me open and that, I mean, I mean, I, personally, there's nothing else to say. I mean, we could, we could, <laughs> we could stop there, something. Absolutely, <laughs> right? It's just like absolutely. That it, says it all. Yeah, that line that that you put into metamorphosis. And the funny thing is, Garpan, that line never hit me straight away. I didn't even hear that line. You know, after maybe I don't know, fifty times. Like I told you, I've been listening to that for years. Maybe. And you know what happened one time? I'm going to just share this little story with you. I was with my friend. I was with my friend, Alex, Alex, um, Alex Kakia. Maybe she's watching this because she loves, she loves you. She's been listening to you for years as well. And we, we were doing a, a festival. We were about to do this event. And uh, one time we did the meditation together and we listened to you. And then at the end, right, the, at the end, because, you know, sometimes with transmissions, there's one part that sticks with you. And at the end, we had a little share and it's like, which line stuck with you? I can't remember the context of what, what, what we were doing, but was, and I was like, I had to go and write down this line, you know, because I wrote it down. And I come back and I told her. She's like, no way. That was the line that this time just stuck out in my head, right? And, and the, whole, the whole festival was like, you know, we were like, why are we coming together for, to create this space, this festival? And it was like, what else than to just joyously participate in the divine ecstasy of creation? And, and I will say for people listening, that line, which I'm, you can see how passionate I am, I'm infused by it. Everything that Darpan's just described, if that hasn't first been looked at, released and, and, and dissolved, the idea of joyously participating in the divine ecstasy of creation can't even actually be contemplated. So it's through a series of, of, of doing my own processes and work to even receive that, as I said, maybe after however many times of listening to it. So yeah, I just want to throw that, throw that in there. Divine awesome. play. <laughs> oh, I, I love that. And I love your passion. And I, and I think that, that, you know, it happens with me with when I was sitting with Osho. He would say something again and again and again. And you'd think that you got it. You know, right. like intellectually. I go, yeah, yeah, I get that. And I really agree and blah, 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 blah. But then one day he'd say it and 
bang, it would just go in. Boom. And it would just really land. Do you know what I mean? I yes. love that, that aha moment. Exactly. That moment we go, aha, right, of course. Yeah. I'd never seen it or felt it before. There it is. Yeah. And that's just gorgeous. Thank you so much for sharing that, Simon. Yeah. Thank that's you. It's just made my day. Thank you so much. Um <clears throat> Ah, Darpan, I had a feeling, I knew this would, it's come at the right time, but I had a feeling talking to you would be a gift, and it's been, it's been more than a gift for me today. I'm tingling over my whole body, my hairs are on end, I feel a complete well, receiver, receiving, yeah, I feel a complete receiver, receiving of your uh, wisdom, of your transmission, I'm going to call you, I'm just going to call you a transmission, because that's what it, you've always been that for me, and um and I know we could wax lyrical more, but it feels like we come full circle to this point. And I, I would love, I mean, I'm feeling even called. I want to come and meet you at some point and go on a journey with you as something that just came through in this moment. Forget healthy discernment. I had that a long time ago. But no, don't forget that for people listening. I, I have healthy discernment and it's a, it's a yes to wanting to uh, be in the presence of Darpan a little more. I will make that happen. And um I don't know, is there, is there anything that you want to, uh, not that you have to, but like, is there anything you would say to anybody listening today, just as a little passing word that anybody that's been with us this far, do you feel to just close this, uh, close this circle that we opened? Very simple. It's just to relax and enjoy and surrender to the process. It's not necessary for us to know. In fact, learn the art of being comfortable with not knowing. This is going to be a great boon in these days, in these coming days, is letting go into not knowing. This is the key. And if you can actually let yourself go there, like really trust that, then what, what, what is coming will be, a, will be a breeze and you'll come through because it's like being in the middle of a river. You know, if you start struggling against the, the, the current and you, start, you can get panicked, you know, you're very likely to drown. But you just keep your head above the water, let the current take you where it will because it's going to land you in the most amazing place because all rivers lead to the ocean and the ocean of consciousness that we're talking about is our very birthright. It's where we, what we are made of is where we are going is, a, is an awareness, a full realisation of that consciousness that we are at essence. And I know that sounds highfalutin and far, kind of like rarefied, but it's actually the very basis of everything that we are and it, it informs everything that we do everything that we think uh, that is extrapolated out in life is actually informed and animated by that very same consciousness and we are about to be birthed into the most magnificent beyond what we can imagine right now the most amazing plenum of being continuum of being that that has ever been presented to the human race at least in our memory uh, and uh, and so you know this is a time to be to be. It's like when we when we were at in puberty, teenagers. You know, we had to go through these uh, turbulent times. But once we got through it, we were kind of had a different sense of ourselves. We were like our own individuals, a, a, an adult, and we related to our parents differently. And you know, they were just two other human beings who we were very grateful for for bringing us up. But they're no longer God and and the, the word of God, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's a time to, for self-empowerment. It's a time to reclaim sovereignty of who we truly are. It's a time to take back all of the power that we've given away to all these institutions and so-called authorities and bring them back and to trust our own 
inner knowing. The DNA that we carry within us is ancient. It carries all the information that we ever require, we will ever require to take our next step and to flower into the incredible beings, the magnificent beings that we truly are. Our potential is beyond off the Richter scales, beyond limits, and we're about to step into that. I know it sounds like a really utopian dream, but get this, where we've been dreaming this for thousands of years, now is the reality when we can actually manifest that mm. if we just wake up. Right. Just wake the fuck up. That's all it is. And, you know, that's, we don't have to do anything beyond that, is to take responsibility and stand in our own sovereignty, claim our sovereignty, that which you were born with as a human being, and then use the authorities out there as advisors, not as authorities but simply advisors, and to put the power where it has always belonged, and that is within us, mm -hmm. and to find other like-minded beings, and they'll start sprouting everywhere soon. This is an unstoppable wave. The point that we're at right now is uncertain and dark, but it needs to be like that. It's necessary yeah. for this whole alchemical process to occur. It's beyond our conscious knowing. So we need to just let go. So that's my only thing that I want to say is relax, enjoy, go with the stream, keep your head above water and smile and connect with other beings because where we're going, we don't know. But where we don't know is where the magic is, is where the miracles lie and miracles can happen. And, and miracles we are. The miracles we are indeed. Miracles Absolutely. we are, right? That's, a, like, that's such a beautiful, again, you know, everyone's, you've watched me on this call. I'm super pumped because, you know, not just because I resonate, you know, uh, with pretty much every single thing we've shared today is that that for me is like, it, I love it again, big picture, what you just described, what, what has been to get us to this point and we are the dream makers and what we project out into the plasma, into the field of creation, we are that. I mean, that's like, if that doesn't empower any of you watching today to really look at what that, what that requires. Everyone's always asking, who am I? What am I? Well, you are a powerful projector of consciousness, creation moving through you, right? Allowing that to come through you. You are contributing to the whole of this explosive, orgasmic expression. I mean, come on. That's wonderful. Isn't that, isn't that just beautiful? Um, so, yes, thank you so much. Um, and, and I love that we've touched on trauma. We've touched on authority. We've touched on everything that's really alive right now for many, many people in different areas. And I'm going to bring back a simple, beautiful analogy that you started to call on, and we can end it there. And that is the knife is just a knife, but you can use it to cut a loaf of bread and feed yourself, or you can use it to stab somebody in the heart and take a life, right? That's right. It is the holder that is the one. Yeah. I got, I got uh, my hair's on end. My hair's on end. In other end. words... It's, we don't need to change systems. It's the consciousness of human beings that is work, being worked on right now. Right. It's the radical transformation of consciousness that will be the saviour of all our seemingly insurmountable uh, problems that we're having absolute pro uh, difficulty uh, solving today. Right, right. And we're, we are in an end game socially, politically, economically, environmentally, spiritually, on every level. It's end game, end game, end game. And the only way through, as, is, as Einstein said, is to jump out of the box. Right. And how do we do that? 
by radically shifting our consciousness. In other words, learning how to die gracefully and be reborn magnificently into conscious custodians of this beautiful planet from the reaches of the Milky Way. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, oh. Oh, Simon, thank you so much, brother, for this invitation. I really deeply appreciate it. It's been an absolute joy and a pleasure to converse with you yeah. and to share ideas and to surf the light fantastic. It's yeah. been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. And, uh, and you, you know, m- blessings your way and blessings to all beings yeah. and to all the beings that are watching this today. Mm. Thank you so much, Darban. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So much gratitude. And my heart is wide open right now. And to everyone watching, I really hope that you enjoyed and could take something from this. I'm pretty guaranteed that you did, but you know, I don't like to assume. And uh, so in, 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 enjoy, please, if you was inspired by it, share it with others, because I feel that this could definitely support many who are uh, diving with him right now and facing some of the shadows. So, and I really appreciate yeah. you for showing up at this time. I'm going to end the call Thanks, now. Simon. Thank, Thank you, you so, much. so much. Deeply appreciate May the children of the earth understand that this is to be a birthing place of a new humanity. The birthing of a new man utterly discontinuous from the past. Released. Transformed. Metamorphosed. Into a multidimensional being. Conscious. This is our time to rise.